What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Walk on Wisdom. Um, episode number 26. We have crossed over a quarter of 100. We've crossed over number 25. And um, as I said in the last episode, um, I've just been traveling around a lot lately. And this new aspect of talking to people about you know, a lot of times they say, man, I love your workout videos or I love your stuff with your family. I love this and I love that. But walk on wisdom keeps getting brought up every single time I do any kind of appearance or any time I'm in one of these big public events. So the reception has been phenomenal. And that is because of you guys, you guys sharing it with your friends, um, sending the links of all the different platforms to people. And then also sending in your questions to podcast at michaelchandler.com. So the reception has been awesome. Um, you know, as you guys know, we're not, uh, we're not doing this for any other reason, really, besides me getting to connect with you guys on a deeper level than, you know, popping up on Instagram and saying, hey, guys, send me your questions real quick. And then people just ask me very blanket questions about, hey, who's your next fight? What do you think about fighting Connor? How was tough? I want to go deeper, a deeper dive into the things you guys are going through, because the things that you guys are going through, probably the other thousands of people that are listening to each of these are going through as well. And the things that I have gone through, and I always preface these episodes with, I am by no means an expert at anything. Um, I am a work in progress, just like you, but I have been around the world a couple of times, had a lot of ups and a lot of downs and have a lot of walk on wisdom to, uh, to share with you guys. And it's not always the best, uh, probably not always the best thing that you want to hear or the best advice. Um, but it seems like we're making an impact. So we're going to keep on doing it. So thank you guys so much for the love and the support on this journey. And um, let's get right into it. First one comes from Connor. Hey, Mike, longtime fan, been watching since Bellator. I'm a 23-year-old amateur fighter out of Florida. My question is, how did you, how did you early on find the balance between training and competing in your regular life? As in paying the bills, rent, mortgage, spending time with your wife, being social, not getting burnt out, etc. I feel I am very, very talented and I have a very strong drive and work ethic, but it feels like Life just keeps giving me roadblocks. I feel like I have a decent, I have decent coaches, but my gym isn't super big and doesn't have a lot of fighters. I don't know. I'm just feeling kind of lost in my fighting journey and just looking for a hand to grab onto, I guess. Anyways, I appreciate any and all info. I love you. And, and you, I love the way you hold, well, I love you the way you hold yourself as a man, as a father and as a husband, keep it up. You're an inspiration. See you at the top. Well, Connor didn't say I love you, but I love you, Connor, anyway. Uh, but he said I love the way you hold yourself as a man and a father and a husband. Um, so the question is basically about balance. Um, and I feel like this is a recurring theme that we answer a lot on Walk on Wisdom is, hey, I have this passion for this, but I also want to be a good man or I want to be a good father. Or I want to be a good friend or I want to be... Um, I want to be in shape, but I focused on my business. I want to be a good businessman, but I'm focused on my, but I want to also be in shape and all of these different, the overarching theme is life is a series of trade-offs. Um, if I am working out right now, I'm working on my fitness, but I'm not really working on maybe my business. Or if I'm spending time with my wife right now, I'm diving into that relationship and cultivating that relationship, but I'm also not working on my business, right? So there's always an opportunity cost. What I'm doing right now whether it is fulfilling or whether it is satisfying or whether it's getting me towards one goal, I'm also not able to focus on something else. So Connor, what you're going through is what every human being goes through when it comes to, Hey, I have a passion. I have, I have a vision. I have something I want to do yet. I'm trying to find the balance. One thing that I have said that I think contradicts certain things that I have said, or that a lot of people say, because while well, we always want to find balance, but I think being okay with and accepting of the fact that there really is no perfect balance. If we put the pressure on ourselves to have this perfectly balanced life of this wheel of life, whether it be relationships, whether it be finances, whether it be business, whether it be our physical fitness, whether it be our spiritual health, whether it be all the different things that you hold near and dear, if it's a scale of one to 10, it's almost impossible to be, oh, actually it is impossible to be a 10 on every single one of those in every single se season of your life. So right now, Connor is going through a season of, hey, I really like this mixed martial arts journey. I'm 23 years old. I'm young. Um, and my, he's, an, he's a 23-year-old amateur fighter, so he wants to pour into his amateur fighting career, yet he still wants to have his regular life. Have his his family life, paying the bills, rent, mortgage, all of these different things, and then also becoming social and 
having fun and taking time off and then also not getting burnt out. So Connor, I would say number one, and anybody else who's listening right now, number one, balance is a myth. Stop holding on to this idea that you can be perfectly balanced. I can tell you this right now, and I've talked about this in numerous episodes. People say, well, hey, I want this goal, but if I want this goal and I run at it full steam ahead, my social life is going to suffer. My relationships might suffer. Maybe I'm not going to make as much money because I'm not as focused on my business. There's all of these different conundrums that we find ourselves in. So realizing that balance is a myth, but also giving yourself permission to be unbalanced and giving yourself permission to compartmentalize these different times in life. It's very interesting right now. I've gone, today is December 14th. So I've gone basically 13 months without fighting. I'm still training, still staying in shape and all these, all, all the things that I need to do as a fighter. But quite frankly, I'm not as focused on that. As long as I do enough to be I like, to, I like to call it dangerous. As long as I, I, I know enough of this to be dangerous or I'm in shape enough to be dangerous or I'm, I'm working on my physical fitness, my recovery, my rehab, um, my supplementation, my, my rest and all of these different things in order to say, hey, I'm doing enough to be at the level I need to be at. But also, I care more about spending time with my wife right now. I care more about becoming a, the better father right now because over the last six years of Hap's life, my oldest son, and the last 18 months of Ace's life, I've been on in these training camps and I've been away and I've been, you know, I've had to deal with the the pain of feeling like I'm not doing enough as a father. So I've really poured into that and I'm okay with that, that trade-off. If I'm a 10 as a father and I'm only a six as an athlete right now, I'm okay with that. Doesn't mean I'm a, doesn't mean I'm not dedicated. Doesn't mean that I don't care about fighting, but it just means that I right now in this season care more about being a father and a husband and a businessman as we've talked about investing in hiatus tequila, speed fitness, investing in cram, my real estate things that we're doing, walk on fitness, all of these different business things that I'm doing outside of the octagon, outside of just being Michael Chandler the fighter, I'm giving myself permission to lay low on this side of things, the athlete side of things, still staying in shape, still doing enough to be dangerous, still looking like a professional athlete, staying in shape, but not diving into it like I'm into it in a training camp. Because I know the next season will be this Conor McGregor fight gets announced and it's going to be at a date and at a location and I'm going to have to be fully, solely focused on that. And by all accounts, the business side of things will go on the back burner a little bit. I won't be with my family as much. I won't be with my wife as much. I won't be in these friendships as much as I normally am, as much as I have been in the last year. So, Connor, the answer to your question is balance is a myth. You still need to, you know, you brought up rent and mortgage and bills and all of these different things. You got to make money, obviously. So finding that fine line between making enough money to support yourself and support your family and support your lifestyle but also not letting people tell you that you are doing a bad thing by following your passion. Um, so I hope that helps. And to anybody else who's listening, who is in the position of Connor and has this every single day, I think there's a moment where we all have a, have the question in our mind of, am I doing enough in this area of my life? And the answer sometimes is maybe not. The answer is sometimes maybe I need to show myself some grace because balance is a myth. Good question, Connor, and best of luck. And uh, maybe I'll see you down in Florida sometime. Next question comes from Dallas. And Dallas says, hey, Michael, my name is Dallas. I am 29 years old. I'm getting married in September. Married September 14th of this coming year. We are also expecting a baby in June. I have another son from a previous marriage who adores my fiance. What is some advice you could give me to be the best dad and husband I can be all while focusing on my continued growth in the company I work at. Any advice you have would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. See you at the top, Dallas. So once again, we're talking about balance. Dallas um, is getting married. He, um, he has another son from a previous marriage who adores his fiance that he is about to marry, which that's phenomenal news, Dallas. Um, so that is a normal stressor um, in everyday in everyday life in this type of scenario where there is a a child from another marriage and then you're getting married to a different 
uh, person who is not that child's mom. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff that could go wrong there or a lot of feelings um, around that. So they, uh, the the thought that and the the reality that your son from a previous marriage adores her is, is absolutely amazing. So that will take some stress off of the scenario. But once again, we talk about balance. I'm about to get married. We're about to welcome another baby into this world. I already have a son. Now I'm going to become a husband, which is the most important job, the most important title, the most important thing that you will ever be. And I say that because it goes hand in hand with being probably the second most important thing is a great father. And I've, I feel like I've kind of waffled back and forth here because I, I have said the most important thing that I will ever be is a father. But that doesn't mean that if you had to say, hey, do I pour into my wife or do I pour into my kids? Because pouring into your kids obviously helps them. Being there for your kids helps them. Being present helps them, but also becoming a shining light and a standard and a, a beacon of what a man, a husband should be to their mother also benefits them. These recurring themes in life, I still have these things. You still have these things. We all still have these things. We have, we have a model that we follow after, and they're called our parents. Whether they're there a lot, they're not there at all. There's a broken home. There's divorce. There's abuse. There's all these different things. Or they have phenomenal parents um, and a phenomenal thing to follow, a phenomenal um, example to follow. We all have our blueprint of what we think a father should be. For me as a man, my blueprint was Mike Chandler Sr. That was my, my, uh, my father. He taught me how to be a man. He taught me how, how he treats my mom. He was the example of what a man should be, right? And then you get a little bit older and you move off and you start finding more and more mentors and more and more people to emulate and these different perspectives and all these different types of families and upbringings and your mind continues to, to grow and expand. Um, so Dallas, the most important thing that you can be um, is a good, a good husband to then be a good example for your children. Um, but then the balance between, okay, how do I continue to move in this forward trajectory in the company that I work at, but also be a good father and a good husband? Because these, these big life events that people take for granted sometimes, unfortunately, the idea of, hey, I can just uh, have sex and create a baby and everybody's doing it. So it's whatever. It's just what we do, right? As human beings, we procreate, but we don't put enough emphasis on how important of a role, a vital role you play in the life and the trajectory and the happiness and the joy and the significance of your children. So the most important thing that you can do, and as we talk a lot in this, in this, on this show, when we talk about self-image, we talk about self-worth. In order to have a, a, high sense of self-worth and self-esteem, you have to know that you're doing what you need to be doing to be a great father, to be a great husband, because those things increase your self-image. I believe my self-image has increased over the last decade by being a husband, by being there for Bree. I'm by no means perfect. Dang, I got things I need to work on in droves in all areas of being a husband, all areas of being a father. But I ain't perfect, but I'm doing pretty dang good. And that, that right there makes me feel like a good man. That makes me want to be better. So working on yourself, working on yourself and working on your family and in your family will also make you better at work. And having success at work can also make you a better father and a better husband because you also still have to have your, your secondary goals, your outside of the family goals to then increase your self-image, to then come home through that threshold, through that door every day to say, hey, I did what I needed to do today to promote myself, to grow, to be on the forward trajectory, to then come home, be, be satisfied and content with what you created that day to then be a good father and a good husband. So there's this big cycle of waking up in your household, being as good as you possibly can, then going out into the world, working on your passion, doing your job, 
and then coming back home. And there's going to be seasons where you feel like you're crappy at work, but great at home and crappy at home and great at work. And then every now and then you're going to feel like you're firing on, on all cylinders, showing yourself the grace, just like we talked about with the first question with Connor, is showing yourself the grace that there is no, never going to be a perfect balance. So Dallas, um, congratulations on the new baby coming in June. Um, best of luck as you continue to climb the ranks at your work. Um, and I wish you a long and happy marriage with your fiance on September 14th. Um, but once again, first question with Connor, second question with Dallas, we're talking about balance. Show yourself the grace that there never will be a perfect balance and then watch your, watch your life start to balance out a little bit more. Let go of the control and the high standard, the crazy high standard of perfect, finding perfect balance. Let go of that a little bit. Let the reins loose a little bit and, and watch your life fall into balance a little bit more. Watch yourself find a little bit more energy, a little bit more grace, a little bit easier decision-making process, a little bit more patience. Because where there is pressure, it's really hard to have patience. So stop adding so much undue pressure on yourself. Um, not just Dallas, but everybody listening right now and also myself talking right now. Stop adding so much pressure because you're never going to be perfect. Aim for remarkable. Aim for successful. Aim, aim for peace and joy and contentment. And don't focus on being perfect because you never will be. Good question, Dallas. Thank you. Um, next one comes from Chris. Hey, Mr. Chandler, I have been a fan of your work in the Octagon since the Dan Hooker fight. I wish you the best of luck in your journey to the title to, to my question. I've been struggling a lot recently with girl problems and the things that come with that. I am 17 now and have never had a relationship or even sex with a girl. I know that I have time, but I feel so much pressure from my friends and other people that I already should have had sex. I would love to know how you deal with pressure and if you have a solution to your problems. Best wishes from Germany. Walk on. Stay hard. Chris. Well, Chris, um, so the answer is you're getting, you're 17 years old and you're getting pressure from your classmates, friends, social group, um, that you should have already had sex by now. I'd say they're wrong. Uh, I was 17 years old, same thing, locker room, around the boys, dudes talking about having sex with girls and all these different things. I was a virgin, 17 years old. Um, I never worried about those pressures. I always wanted to be different. And even if I got made fun of or the perception that I was getting made fun of because I, what, I wasn't a man because I wasn't having sex with girls or what, I wasn't a tough guy, I wasn't a cool guy. I honestly always took it as being different, whether it was a personal choice, whether it's a religious choice, whether it's I haven't found the right girl yet, whether I was, uh, whether I was, uh, insecure about it, whether I wasn't sure about it, whether I never had uh, a lot of the, uh, I guess, the birds and the bees talks, if you will, with my dad or any of those kinds of things, whatever kind of scenario you're in when it comes to that journey, uh, which I am not condoning sex at 17 years old or sex before marriage or um, any of that. I think we're all on our own path. And I think there's something to be said for the guy or the girl that does things in a different way and doesn't just fall into the herd mentality and feel pressure or feel insignificant or feel under undervalued, underexperienced, under quote unquote cool because of a decision, a personal decision that they are making. 17 years old, I believe is too young to be even thinking about having sex. Uh, giving a piece of yourself to another human being at that young of an age. Um, obviously, you know, Chris, you're in Germany. I live here in America. Uh, we all have our different societal norms, our different um, coming of ages in these different countries. So your experience or your friend groups might be different than my friends or friends groups um, or societal norms, if you will. Um, but man, I, I have no problem sitting here saying kudos to you and kudos to you for being different. Even if you are the only virgin in your entire class or your entire school, sometimes it felt like I was all throughout high school, all throughout college. Imagine being a guy who was on a wrestling team full of guys who were out there doing all that and spreading their seeds. And I was the only guy or felt like I was the only guy who wasn't. 
there was a sense of pride that came with it. There was a sense of, yeah, I mean, you can make fun of me, but really, are you making fun of me for a legitimate reason? And we're all young and we all have these crazy preconceived notions of when we're supposed to be doing all these different life experiences all the way down to middle school kids smoking cigarettes or looking at things they shouldn't be looking at or having different relationships with girls or all these different coming of ages things. The biggest thing is who are you? What do you stand for? What feels right to you? And making your decision based upon what you authentically feel in your heart. And I'm not saying that people who have a different viewpoint of you and are saying those things and putting those pressures on you are wrong or bad people. I'm just saying we all grow in different stages of our life. And I would, I would say instead of feeling like you are an outcast, look at yourself like a leader. I, all of those years when I was surrounded by all of those people throughout high school, throughout college, I always looked at it like, yeah, you can make fun of me a little bit. Yeah, you can crack jokes. But am I an outcast or am I a leader? Because a lot of times the outcast is the leader. They just don't know it yet. And a lot of times the outcast who is a leader gets made fun of, gets ridiculed, gets singled out, gets told they're an outcast because they're quote unquote doing the wrong thing or haven't done the thing yet. And really, it was just a sign of strength. It was a sign of persistence. It was a sign of doing doing what they feel is right in their heart. So I encourage you today, Chris, and I encourage anybody else who's listening today and thinking about this or had have similar questions because the herd mentality is a disease um, and going along with things that we will then regret is um, is a disease. Stand on your own two feet. Be confident in who you are. And uh, Chris, I'm proud of you for even opening up and asking this question and encouraging anybody out there right now who is going through this as a young man or a young woman um, to uh, stay the course and be yourself. Next one comes from Gandalf. Hi, Mike. First of all, I appreciate the walk-on wisdoms you've put out on the internet. I really, I really resonate with a lot of what you say. I don't have a father. And I've never had an elder figure in my life. And listening to you yourself and your other professional athletes' mindset really helps. My question is, do you have any advice for someone someone who is trying to leave their old life behind and walk a new path, especially being by yourself doing this? I believe community is a huge... I believe community is huge in life, but I've also seen, I've also been surrounded by toxic circles, alcoholic parents, bullied at school, and got into drugs, alcohol, and fighting. It's like my small hometown just resonates like this. Everyone gossiping and stuff. I have now left that town and am pursuing a better life. Training MMA, clean diet, meditation, reading, swimming, running, trying to meet new people. I am definitely way better, but still I have moments of I am alone pursuing this. Although I don't think it'll be forever. I will find the right people. Thank you, Gandalf. Man, what a great question. Um, Because once again, Having the insight, the foresight, the courage, the, the, the vision to go off on your own, to be by yourself, to know that, once again, going back to the last answer, the herd mentality wants to put you in a box and they want to put a ceiling above your head and they want to tell you not to go outside these lines. They want to, crabs in a bucket, pull you back down toward them. You guys all know and have heard the, have heard the, uh, I guess it's not really a story, but it's, it's, it's literally a, a, a manifestation of the way society is. People who can't do something or gave up on something always want to pull you back down to their level and tell you not to do what you're trying to pursue because it makes them feel better about themselves. If you take 50 crabs, you throw it in a bucket, they're all in there scraping and clawing and scraping each other's eyes out and they're all just kind of doing their thing, their little their little crab thing. And then if one starts to climb out and hooks their claw, hooks their arm, their leg over the top of the bucket, one of the crabs from down below, instead of thinking, hey, I like what that person is doing. Look at him taking a new path. Look at him braving the unknown. Look at him climbing that wall and finding freedom. Instead of thinking, why don't I go do that? 
they reach back up, they grab that crab and they pull them back down. Now, we are a lot smarter than crabs. Our brains are much bigger. We were created for much more than crabs. But isn't that how society is today? Isn't that how, unfortunately, the people around us want to see us fail because it makes them feel better about their failures? Um, so Gandalf, um, number one, going back to the end of your question, talking about your training MMA, clean diet, meditation, reading, swimming, running, trying to meet new people. This is you climbing that wall and trying to get out of that bucket to the freedom. And you have already left the bucket, but imagine that crab who gets out. There is always going to be that inkling of, well, this is a little bit scary. Because it was a little bit more comfortable back when I was stuck in that bucket. Even though I was stuck in that bucket, I was around people. I was doing what they were doing. And it's a simple truth in life. It's always going to feel better for a time of being stuck in the bucket with all of those people. As I've said numerous times, God created us for community and He created us for relationship. And sometimes that can be misconstrued in our soul that, okay, mediocre, unhappy, discontentment, not moving forward, but at least I'm around a community and around people that feels a little bit comfortable. And going off on your own and finding peace, joy, contentment, pursuing a dream, being happy with your decision, you're always going to have that feeling that, yeah, but it was a little bit more comfortable when I was around all of those people, even if those people were mediocre, even if those people didn't have my best interest in mind, even if those people wanted to see me fail, at least I was around people. So to have that thought and notion and feeling is to be human. But I would encourage you today that you will always, even if it's scary, even if it's tumultuous, even if you fall flat on your face, even if you experience pain and suffering by going down a path that was of more resistance, of braving the unknown and going out and trying to do something different than what everybody else was doing, it will always lead to more contentment and peace and joy and happiness. I had this experience in my life where everybody around me said, why are you going to go out to a Division I program to Mizzou and probably ride the bench for five years and probably end up quitting or never wearing the Mizzou wrestling singlet, never being a starter, never finding that kind of success. Everybody told me, don't do that. Come back, stay back here. Crabs in a bucket pulling me back. Play it small because that's what I did. Be safe because that's what we're doing. Don't take that chance because that's how we live. And I took the chance on myself, walked on to Mizzou, and it was the best decision of my professional career, of my athletic career. And I am sitting here on this microphone speaking to all of you guys because I made that decision. But I'll never forget in the little silver van, little silver minivan that my parents dropped me off at, looking out of the window at Baker Park, uh, which was our dorms. And I hadn't gotten out of the van yet. And I, and I was watching a couple guys carry big tote, totes into the, the dorms. And someone was carrying a couch or a, a chair. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I am so freaking scared right now. Because I don't deserve to be on the same team as that guy who's a state champion in Missouri. I don't deserve to be on the same team as that guy who was a state champion in California. You can look up the, the incoming recruiting class. I did some research, looked at all of them. All these state champs from Pennsylvania, from Illinois, from California, from North Carolina. I thought, man, I don't deserve to be with these guys. I'm going to get laughed out of this freaking dorm room right now. I'm going to get laughed out of this place. But then what happened? One year later, I had passed a few of those guys up. One year later, half of those guys had quit. A couple years later, I'm their team captain. I don't say that to impress you, but I say that to impress upon you that it's always going to be freaking scary to make that decision, to go against the grain, to be alone. But it's always going to be so much more satisfying than staying with the herd. So it's a recurring theme on all three of these first three questions. There's never going to be perfect balance. Going off on your own is freaking scary. 
really, really scary. But if fear is always a constant, then we must accept it and realize that that fear is the only way to lead us to happiness, to true contentment. These days, I'm much more afraid of things that don't scare me than I am of things that scare me. I'm much more afraid of comfort than I am things that are uncomfortable. I am much more afraid of the path of least resistance than I am of things that are a little bit hard. Because so many times in my life, over these last 37 years on this earth, and the last 22 years of competing in athletics, it was always the hard things that led to happiness. It was always the hard things that led to peace. And it's not just the physical accomplishments of winning a tournament and getting a gold medal or fighting and, and winning a world title and all these material things. It was the man that I became by being that crab that took a chance, climbed the top, went over top, got scared to death, kept going forward, and then ended up here today talking on this microphone to you guys. You might be alone, but you're not lonely. I'm looking at the, the question right now. You said, I am definitely way better than I, used to, than I used to be, and I still have moments of I am alone pursuing this. Although I don't think it will be forever, I will find the right people. And that right there, you answered your own question. I am alone pursuing this. Although I don't think it will be forever, I will find the right people. So you have the confident expectancy that the right people will come into your life because whether you want to call it law of attraction, or you want to call it the universe, you want to call it God's plan, you want to call it whatever, the people that are pursuing things that are against the grain eventually by serendipity, by the law of attraction, by God's plan, whatever it may be, they somehow find the right people. For a moment, for a season, they are alone, but they're not lonely. There's somebody else pursuing a dream, feeling alone, that eventually those paths will cross and you will find the right people. And I've seen that play out time and time again in my life. So Gandalf, great question. I encourage you and I thank you for being that crab who wasn't afraid to climb out of that freaking bucket, man. And anybody who's listening right now that listening to Gandalf's uh, question, I commend you for being the crab who climbed out of the bucket. So that was a good one. Thank you, Gandalf. Next one from Patrick. Sorry, let me take a drink real quick. All righty. Michael, this is a long multi-part question. So if you don't answer you or can't answer on the pod, I completely understand. Oh, we're going for it. We're going for it, Patrick. A little about myself. I'm a 31-year-old husband and father of two boys and one baby girl by November. My oldest son, four years old in January, is autistic and nonverbal. My other son is neuro, neuro, neurotypical. I work on the road. I work an on-the-road job. I'm gone Monday to Friday, putting in 68 hours a week, 60 to 80 hours a week. As of two years ago, I also got very serious about my health. I used to weigh 380 pounds, and I'm currently 279 pounds as of this morning. While on the road working, I also make a point to get a workout in every day, so when I'm home, I can focus on recovery. When I get home, I am exhausted in every way possible. I pride myself on being the best father and husband I can be, but I feel like life is starting to become one big fog. I feel like I'm a good dad and a good husband, but not as good as I could be. My son, who is autistic, requires a lot of one-on-one time from either me or my wife, which inevitably means we don't spend as much time as we would like to with each other while I am home from work. That leads to a lot of depression. On my wife's part, that leads to a lot of depression on my wife's part because she feels like she never sees me. I love my children and my wife with everything I have. They are 100% the most important thing in part of my life. I feel like my tank is running on fumes and I feel like I'm starting to fail them and I don't know how to bounce back from it. My questions are, how do you find refill your tank so you speak when you so you speak when you feel like you are running on empty? Do you have any advice as far as a workout regimen or somebody my size still trying to get healthier? Thank you. Patrick. So the question is how do you find quote unquote, refill your tank. 
so to speak. So you feel like you are running when you feel like you're running on empty. And do you have any advice as far as workout regimen for somebody my size still trying to get healthier? So Patrick, um, I will not sit here and say that you do not have a lot of things that are heavy, that are tough, that life has thrown at you, that makes things just a little bit more hard. Caring for an, an autistic child and a neurotypical or neuroatypical child um, is not easy. I don't know all of the, I don't know all of the um, different layers of that, but let's just say that it's it's definitely it's definitely harder because of the one-on-one attention that you have to show your children, the extra doctor's appointments or the extra therapies or the extra different things that you have to do uh, in order to just meet your children's needs. Coupled with all the work that you have to do 60, 80 hours a week, coupled with being a husband, coupled with being overweight and now losing 380 to 279, so 80, 100 pounds basically. Losing a hundred pounds. So number one, you're on the right path. I am not going to say that being overweight um, is being overweight and losing that weight. I'm not going to say it's an easy thing to do, but it is definitely one of the most important things that you could have done to increase your self-image, to increase your productivity, to looking at a multi-layered question like this, where we have children who need who need extra attention, a wife who you need to still meet her needs, a job that is obviously very demanding and being on the road, being overweight, having which leads to lack of energy, brain fog, lack of self-image, self-deprecating thoughts, self-deprecating feelings, not being able to move, not being immobile, not having as much energy. You're on the right path by getting in better shape because getting in better shape is not the answer to all of your problems, but it's definitely going to help you with almost every single problem that you have. And I will stand by that because when you're happy, healthy, and hard to kill, you're going to have a higher sense of self-worth. You're going to have more energy. You're going to be more mobile, both physically and mentally. You're going to have more of yourself to give. You're going to have more of yourself to give to your children, to your work, to your, to your wife, and to every single aspect of your life. But that extra work that you have to do is more time, more energy, more effort that you can't give toward your family, your children your wife, your work. So I commend you for taking steps toward that journey of getting in better shape, losing that weight, losing a hundred pounds, actually 101 pounds, 380 to 279. So number one, realize how far that you have come. Number two, take a sense of pride that what you have done is by no means, um, it's by no means specific to you because a lot of people have lost that amount of weight, but it's still a very, very small amount of people who would be able to be that committed, to be that disciplined, to have that much persistence and resiliency to be able to lose that amount of weight. So pat yourself on the back for that. Take pride in that and let that pride fuel you to refill your tank. The question is, how do you find the quote unquote refill your tank, so to speak? When you feel like you're running on empty. A couple of years ago, it was like 10 years ago, actually before, before Bree and I got married, <clears throat> my mentor, Chris Patterson, we were sitting down, hanging out um, and talking about, you know, Bree is the one I'm going to ask her to marry me. I'm going to be a great husband like you. I want to be a great father like you someday. And I remember he said, and I'll never forget this. He said, Michael, enjoy your life right now because this is the most unbusy you will ever be. This will be the least busy you will ever be. Something to that effect. And I said, Chris, come on, dude, man. I'm the Bellator champion, dude. I got sponsored this. I got appearances that. I got training this. I got uh, these things going on in my life. I am busy, dude. He's like, no, you ain't busy at all, dude, compared to what you're about to be busy when it comes to being a husband 
when it comes to being a father, because those are the most busy that you will ever be because of the pressures that we feel as men, as as men as providers, as men as husbands, as men as fathers, as men who have to provide physically, spiritually, and emotionally, financially for other people. That pressure that you will put on yourself will make you feel so dang busy. So Patrick, what you're feeling right now is, A, pat yourself on the back for for working as much as you do and losing that weight and leading your family and, and putting time into your family. Continue to stay down the, the path of losing the weight because even if that number on the scale stays at 279, drops down to 275, goes up to 305, drops down to 274, jumps up to 303, whatever it might be. It's not the number on the scale. It's the consistency and the brick by brick that you're building. It's the consistency and the daily promises that you're keeping to yourself. Keep those daily promises. Let it be 20 minutes, 30 minutes, one hour, however long it is, but let it be something that you can check off of your list to then increase the self-image, to then increase the productivity, to then increase the energy, no matter what the scale says, to then have more energy, to find more clarity, more wisdom. James 1.5, he who lacks wisdom, pray for it, and the Lord your God will give it abundantly. Pray for wisdom, ask for wisdom, and you will find more energy and more answers coming your way. My specific answer to that question, you refill your tank, how do you find it? Patrick, I think you keep finding it by doing exactly what you're doing of that, that moment of solace, right? So you're working 60 or 80 hours a week. You come home, you got to meet your wife's needs. You got to meet your, meet your children's needs. Those are things that you have to do. Those are things that you get to do to serve them and feel like a better man, more productive. But also that when you're on the road and you're still working out every day, you're getting, I don't care if it's 10 minutes or it's an hour anywhere in between, that's your refill your tank moment. Even though you are, it seems as though you are draining your tank by doing something physical, you're huffing and puffing, you're sweating, you're tired, you're achy, whatever it may be, you're actually filling up your tank for the future energy that you're going to have that day, that week, that month, whatever it may be. And the second question, do you have any advice as far as a workout regimen for somebody my size still trying to get healthier? A guy your size, obviously, um, being still around that 300 pound range, keep doing what you're doing. Body weight exercises, light weights, a lot of reps. Unfortunately, the most important thing when it comes to a fitness journey, just as important as the physical is the diet. Um, when you're on the road, 60, 80 hours a week, Monday to Friday, it is not easy when you're eating, as my dad would call it, road food. Cause my dad drove a truck for a long time and, and, uh, always called it road food, being on the road, having to, you know, sacrifice the diet because of quickness, because of ease, because of, of seamless. It's a lot easier to hop through the drive-thru of Taco Bell than it is to, um, go sit down and eat some, eat something mildly healthy. Um, but as far as the workout regimen goes, you know, we have, we have some body weight exercises on our walk on fitness program and walk on fit.com. And I think we specifically, the idea behind those was, Hey, how, if I can, if I can just do a quick 20, 30 minute body weight circuit, but I'm still able to huff and puff and I'm still able to get that accomplishment, still able to not have a gym. You know, we, we do it with no weights. Um, and I don't say that to, to promote walk on fitness, but I say it to, there are so many resources, whether it be you're on the road, you have Wi-Fi, you got your truck or you're at a hotel, you have walk on fitness and there's a thousand other trainers out there who have online programs. You have YouTube. Just Google 20-minute circuit, body weight circuit, whatever it may be, or maybe it's a walk. Um, but the biggest thing is finding something and sticking to it. So I encourage you, Patrick, and anybody else who has the, the question of, hey, what workout regimen? The workout regimen isn't as, isn't as important as doing a workout. Patrick, I wish you the best of luck, man. What you, what you are juggling what you were trying to balance, as we've talked a lot about in this episode, balance is, uh, is not easy. And my hat's off to you, Patrick. Uh, God bless you on your journey. All right, next one comes from Corey. <clears throat> hey, Mike, 
I'm not sure what advice you'll be able to give me here, but I just heard the worst news of my life and it put me in a dark place. I just started my sophomore year in college studying aerospace engineering and my sister was in her senior year at a different college in a different state. She had been struggling deeply with her mental health for many years since middle school and I just heard that she took her own life a few days ago. I really don't know how to deal with this news and it has been destroying me mentally and physically. I constantly feel this extra weight on my body and I can and I find it difficult to breathe sometimes. My sister had threatened suicide several times before, but never actually went through with it. So I was extremely shocked when I heard the news. I have never lost a loved one other than a dog, but this is a deep, but this is deeper than that. Along with all of this, my grandfather is very close to the end of his life and it's only a matter of time before I lose him too. I have a lot of schoolwork and is all very difficult as I am studying engineering. And when I try to do the work, I can focus. And when I try to do the work, I can focus for maybe two hours, but I just lose the ability to focus. I don't want to fall behind on my schoolwork, but I am not sure how I'll be able to able with all of this stuff on my mind. Hopefully you can give me some words of wisdom that can help me through this tough time in my life. See you at the top, Corey. Um, Corey, it's, uh, it's almost impossible for me to give you any kind of words of wisdom that are anything more than, than what I'm just feeling in my heart, because I have not also like you gone through the loss of someone very close to me, let alone a sibling, a brother, a sister, someone who I'm deeply, deeply connected to share the same, share the same life with over these last however many years you say you're in, in college um, studying aerospace. So obviously you're in your 18, 19, 20, 22, somewhere in there. Um, and then also now knowing that you're going to lose your grandfather soon. So there's no way that I can, I am very, very fortunate thus far that I haven't lost anybody close to me or that close to me. Um, the only thing that you can really do when you, when you feel as though your emotions are completely out of whack for good reason. Show yourself the grace that you should be feeling this way. If you didn't feel the way that you feel, if you were able to focus on just your degree and you were able to focus on just your, your fitness or your interests or these things, I'd be a little bit more concerned about that than I would be the fact that you can't find focus during a time, as you said, the toughest time of your life. And trying to find focus when you don't know the long-term effects of what has happened to your sister on you, on your family, on everybody else who's feeling just like you when something happens like this, the sense of loss, the sense of the sense of what could I have done better? You know, as you, as you said too, she had a history of, of, of mental illness and threatened suicide numerous times. So I'm sure this comes with thoughts of, well, what if I would have been there more? What if I would have called her more? What if I would have texted her more? What if I would have just been better? What if I would have been a better brother? What if I would have been a, a shoulder to lean on, a shoulder to cry on? What if I would have been there more than this wouldn't have happened? And that is just an unfair, but very normal response to something like this. As I said, I haven't had this happen to me, but I, I know for a fact that I would have those thoughts of what could I have done better? Because that's what I do in a lot of areas of my life, taking the accountability of what could I have done better? So to feel the way that you feel is to be human. As we, as we said numerous times, if God created us for relationships and in community and love and the personal connection and the personal bonds to other human beings, his other, other creations, then it is absolutely a byproduct that we would feel crazy senses of remorse and sadness and pain and lack of vision and focus and fogginess and, and despair <clears throat> when we lose someone that we've been connected to our entire life. Someone that we shared the same house with growing up and shared the same parents as and shared all of these different experiences and we have all of these different memories. So Corey, there's, there's not a lot that I can give you 
wisdom that I can give you in this, in this answer, other than I pray for peace and contentment for you and your family. I encourage you to, to give yourself permission to, to feel, give yourself permission to, to feel all of those different stages of grief, all of those different stages of, of loss and of pain. Because you're not superhuman. You're not a robot. You were created in the image of an almighty God, and he created you to feel these things when these type of events happen. And asking for wisdom every single day, the first thing that I would encourage you to do is ask for the wisdom of how to operate as a man who has just lost his sister. Ask for wisdom as a man who is probably most likely going to lose his grandfather very soon. And give yourself permission to feel. Give yourself permission to mourn. Give yourself permission to cry. Give yourself permission to be mad. Give yourself permission to be mad at the universe, at God, at whatever. Give yourself permission. Because all of those different stages are, are, are need to be gone through and not suppressed. And anybody out there who's listening <clears throat> right now to hear a Christian man like myself say, give yourself permission to be mad at God, might sound blasphemous. It might sound like the wrong advice. <laughs> might be other Christians out there saying, no, you don't say that. But yeah, I'm God's creation. But I'm also human. And I know I've had thoughts like that as well. And admitting that you are just a human being, admitting that you are a emotional, very, very, very complex individual and you're not perfect and there is no manual, there is no owner's manual or script or blueprint on how to deal with loss. And I appreciate you asking me, Corey, for the wisdom. I appreciate you thinking that maybe I can give you some sort of technique or some sort of encouragement or some sort of advice, <clears throat> but ultimately there is no blueprint. And ultimately the admission that sometimes we can believe that it's all going to work out eventually. They're not, the, the, the two thoughts are not mutually exclusive that I know things are going to work out, but today I'm pissed. Today I'm upset. Today I'm sad. Today I'm mad. I know it's going to work out because I've had this too in, in many different areas of my life. I know it's going to work out and it will work out, but it doesn't mean that you can just be so full of happiness and joy and contentment knowing that it's going to work out. Let yourself feel. And anybody else who's, who's going through something similar, the loss of a, a loved one or a crazy traumatic life event, give yourself permission to feel. Give yourself permission to, to be mad. Give yourself permission to feel sorry for yourself. I think I said this in, in the, the last episode. Giving yourself permission to feel sorry for yourself. Even me, the most motivated, positive uplifting, joyful Christian guy that people put me on this pedestal that I'm, that I don't deserve. I think giving yourself permission to feel and giving yourself permission to feel sorry for yourself, because if you guys <clears throat> were with me in the, in my brain and the thoughts that I've had and the self-deprecating thoughts that I've had, the feeling sorry for me, oh, woe is me moments that I've had, it's to be human. It's to admit that we're all work, works in progress. So, Kurt, Corey, I encourage you, um, and I'm sorry for you, and I pray for you and your family and everyone involved um, who is feeling pain from this, and peace and contentment and wisdom to be able to deal with all of this. But stay focused on your schoolwork too. 
and stay focused on Corey as well as you can. Stay focused on me as much as you can too, because this isn't a, hey, get over it type of mentality, but this is a, hey, a a very, very bad thing happened in in your life, but continuing to pour in to what makes you passion passionate or what what is your passion pouring into your engineering pouring into your studies pouring into you and doing work on yourself Corey outside of school but also Corey inside of school working on both of those things will be an outlet for you it will be a easing of pain for you as much as you can and today maybe you can only focus for 30 minutes before you think about her and then maybe in a month from now, maybe you'll be able to focus for an hour without thinking about her. And in a couple months, you'll be able to focus for an hour and a half without thinking about her. But give yourself permission to feel and give yourself permission to, to focus on you and what you need while also honoring her and thinking about her. Um, so, Corey, I don't know if I answered your question or gave you as much wisdom as I would like to have been able to give you. Um, but my thoughts and prayers are with you and your family and everyone involved. And this too shall pass. And it is very, very, very sad and, and painful. Um, but it will, it will get better. Um, so thank you, Corey, for opening up the next question uh last question comes from an anonymous source from anonymous hello mr chandler hope you're doing great big fan of you as a fighter and as a person this question is really tough to ask but here we go i have a good friend who found out his girlfriend had been murdered by her ex so obviously she is in grief and mourning i try to support him the best i can we take walks together and try to and try to talk it through, but I don't feel I am doing enough. What do you think I can do to comfort a person who is who is very important to me? How can I make sure I am there for him, even if it's not even if I'm not physically near due to work? I just don't want him to be on his own. Thank you. I have a good friend who found out his girlfriend had been murdered by her ex. So your friend, your friend's girlfriend was murdered um, and he obviously cared a lot about her. Um, He's obviously in grief and mourning and you are trying to be there to support. Well, it's very uh, fitting that I am about to try to give you advice on how to console somebody who is going through grief and mourning of a loved one when I just got done trying to give Corey wisdom. And I've never actually gone through um, that kind of of scenario. I've never gone through the loss of someone that close to me. I've never gone through the pain in the morning of losing someone that close to me. And I was just trying to give Corey some wisdom, some wisdom of losing his sister. And I don't have a lot of wisdom to give. Um, So in this scenario, your friend lost his girlfriend, was murdered by her ex, which is just absolutely traumatic and horrible but the best thing that you can do is just let them know that you care as much as you possibly can because you anonymous can be you can give him all of the wisdom in the world you can give him techniques you can give him um ways to get over this you could give him quotes you could give him scripture you can give him all of these things all of these things that you say, but the age old wisdom that people don't really care what you know until they know what you care, know that you care. So the most important thing is to let them know that you care. And as you said, I'm not physically near due to work. So just a phone call in the morning or a text in the morning, sharing a quote, sharing a scripture, sharing a, even a funny meme, even you know, it's these, these type of things are, are tough too, because from my experience, when I have been around people 
who have suffered this kind of loss. It goes in waves, it's ups and it's downs. One day they're absolutely in shambles and then the next day they're doing a little bit better. And then from minute to minute, they're in tears. And then the next minute they're they're laughing because they're trying to deal with and cope with all of these different things. All of the different different emotions, as I said, we are emotional beings that we were that were created. <clears throat> and uh People don't care what you know until they know that you care. So just reaching out whatsoever. I just, um, I had a friend of mine recently who, whose child was um, going through some, some stuff when it comes to some health issues. And uh, I could not have imagined being in that position. I could not have imagined this, this person that I love dearly a dear, dear friend of mine going through, I could not have imagined having to go through what he was going through. So therefore, what can I say? What kind of wisdom can I give him? What kind of technique, what kind of thing, things can I give them? What things that I know can I give him to try to make it better? The answer was pretty simple. I didn't. I didn't know anything to say. So all I needed to do was be there or let him know that I was thinking about him. Let, it, let him know that I was praying for him and his family. Let him know that I was praying for him and his wife and praying for the doctors involved, praying for the wisdom. Every now and then I'd just throw a heart his way. Send him a heart via text. Heart wasn't a word. It wasn't, it wasn't any kind of wisdom. But it was a heart that said that he knows that I was thinking about him, that he knows that they were on my mind, that they were on my heart, that I was praying for them. And now being removed from that or down the road a little bit more and speaking to him, his, his view of, the, of the, the whole situation was just me, just him opening up his phone and knowing that I was thinking about him it makes him not feel alone because when we go through these very, very tough scenarios. And in this question specifically also where your friend, it feels like he's on an Island, like he's alone because his girlfriend just got murdered. It's a very, very tough thing to, to deal with and cope with. So there, therefore you feel alone. <clears throat> so just letting him know that you're there, letting him know that you support him. You're thinking about him you're praying for him or you're, you're trying to be there and also admitting, because I had to admit this numerous times to my friend as we would speak on the phone and have longer conversations when we could was that, Hey man, like, I just want you to know I love you. And there's no way I would, would be able to know what you're going through because I've never had to go through this. And admitting that, I think admitting as a friend that you have no idea how to handle it um, is more comforting than I think we know. Cause from his perspective, just hearing that and not trying to give unsolicited advice or unsolicited wisdom or unsolicited scriptures or unsolicited this or unsolicited that just knowing that, Hey man, I'm here with you in solidarity and I stand with you and I'm, I'm with you on this and you're not alone was the best thing that I could do. Um, so to answer this question, the most, the best thing that you can do is be okay to admit that you don't know what to do. Be okay to admit that you asked me and I don't even know what to do. Be okay to just be there in whatever way you can to let him know that you're thinking about him, praying for him, with him on this journey. So um, best of luck with that. Ask for wisdom and watch that wisdom flow to you in these different scenarios. Oh, boys and girls, today was a heavy episode. There's a lot of pain and suffering and tough, tough seasons going on in a lot of people's lives every single day around us. So with that, to somewhat end on a positive note, if we can, to realize that the things that we are going through, we can become very, very focused and 
selfish and ego driven and me driven and think, man, what I'm going through right now, nobody else has to deal with this. Nobody else will be able to overcome this. It's just not true. I would venture to say that whatever you're going through, there's probably somebody out there who's going through something worse, something way, something way worse. And admitting that or having that kind of mentality, at least for me, helps me realize that my problems aren't that big of problems. And that's not to downplay people's problems, but just going through these six or seven or eight questions right now, people are out there hurting and people are out there going through tough things and people are out there asking for wisdom and people are out there reaching for something to hold on to and people are out there feeling hopeless or feeling depressed, feeling alone, feeling lonely, feeling at their wit's end, feeling at the end of their rope. But there's so much more hope than we think there is if we continue to seek it. If we continue to seek and look for the good in life, make our confirmation bias so much more positive than it is negative. Try to find the good, the silver lining. Try to find the sunshine. So I encourage you today, um, if you're feeling like life is phenomenal or you feel like life is falling apart, it will get better and the sun will really, really rise tomorrow. And putting one foot in front of the other, working on yourself, taking care of yourself, being nice to yourself, showing yourself grace, letting go of this sense of trying to be perfect, letting go of this sense of control, letting go of this sense of perfect balance. Stay built up, stay prayed up, stay ready for, for life to throw crazy curveballs at you. And the best thing that you can do is be happy and healthy and hard to kill on your own two feet to be able to handle what life throws at you. So thank you guys for sending in your questions today. Um, today was a deep one and today was a heavy one. And uh, I just pray for all you guys out there who have been on this journey with me and for me. And I just thank you for uh, trusting me with your questions to ask for wisdom from a, a guy who uh, I don't claim to know it all at all. Um, but I sure do love spending this time with you guys. So um, if this episode spoke to you or you feel like it would have spoken to someone else that you know, share it with them um, and keep on sending in your questions. I really, really appreciate you guys. Send your questions into podcast at michaelchandler.com and we'll keep on pumping them out and uh, keep on walking on. That's all we can do. Appreciate you guys. God bless. I'll see you at the top.